Here's an experiment for you. Take passionate experts in human resource technology. Invite cross-industry experts from inside and outside HR. Mix in what's happening in people analytics today. Give them the technology to connect. Hit record. Pour their discussions into a beaker. Mix thoroughly. And voila, you get the HR Data Labs podcast, where we explore the impact of data and analytics to your business. We may get passionate and even irreverent, but count on each episode challenging and enhancing your understanding of the way people data can be used to solve real-world problems. Now, here's your host, David Turetsky. Hello and welcome to the HR Data Labs podcast. I'm your host, David Turetsky. With me, as always, my friend and co-host, Dwight Brown from Salary.com. Hey, Dwight, how are you? Good morning, David. I'm well. How are you doing? Good. We're here at the ADP Pro Summit in Dallas, Texas. And we had something in our coffee because we're both a little giddy this morning. <laughs> what do they say? We have a step in our giddy up or something like that? Yeah. Hitching our giddy up? Hitching our giddy up, maybe. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't speak Texan. See, we're, we're just so addled already this morning. We can't even think of that. Yeah, yeah, which is just strange. It is. And, and so anyways, we, we were talking this morning and I think we stumbled upon a very fascinating topic that we think you guys might like as well, which is... Dwight's past. No, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I no. think a, I think a therapist would love that topic. Yeah, too. I was going to say let's let's be very clear here. We're going to focus specifically on your work at the Mayo Clinic and some of the work you were doing in quality analytics that focused on some very specific use cases that may provide us with good examples of how we can use automation, process automation, to not only help measure what we do, but also to in some cases save lives. Right. Right. Exactly. Through the automation, you, you're able to have cost savings and you get some sort of benefit from it that enables you to do more with less. And in the case of nursing and the nursing example, could potentially save lives. Yeah, exactly. Great. So Dwight, talk to us about some of the history of how something like this comes up. How do we examine processes and how do we look at what are the typical things that can be automated and, and what we're going to try and do later is we're going to try and draw that back to the HR technology mm-hmm. example. But, but in your past, what kind of brought up the need to do process automation and how that intersected with your world? Yeah, so going back to, this really goes back to 2007. I took over leadership of a, a group of 13 nurses and, and four reporting staff. Part of our participation in Medicare, we had to report cost and quality measures to the government. The way that the government had it set up from previous years was that we had to manually, our nurses had to manually abstract our medical records for patients. So they literally had to go through patient files. Yeah, exactly. Manually sit in front of a, sit in front of a monitor, pull up a patient's medical record, read through the notes in that patient's medical record, just to figure out was the patient given a particular medication, for example, you know, did they get vancomycin at 1 PM that afternoon? And was that within the time window that fit the quality standards? And it was laborious. It was slow. Did they have to like then transpose that into some other form, like either on paper or in another spreadsheet or something, so that you could like codify it? Yep. 
That's um, exactly what they did. They pulled it out, put it into a spreadsheet, and then the government had a, they had developed a software program, and we would then have to take the data from the spreadsheet and once again transcribe it into their software program. And you were having nurses do that? Yeah. Yeah, these are nurses that we took off the floor. I had 13 of them that were working on this when I started in 2007. And the big problem was that not only was it time-consuming and laborious, the government kept adding additional measures Mm -hmm. every year that we had to do this for. And I calculated it out just from a strict data element perspective. And we were seeing a 25% year-over-year growth steadily from the government on this. And I, you know, the automation piece really was born from, number one, I have always believed heavily in automation and, mm-hmm. and leaning on the technology. But number two, when it came time to, to look at budgets for the following year, and I was having to ask for more FTE and was constantly being turned down for FTE, right, right. I was like, we've we got to do this different. We've got to look at this differently. And, and let's set some context here. I don't know if anybody remembers 2007. It was the year the iPhone first came out, right? Mm-hmm. It was not where we are today in terms of the world of process automation. It was it was much earlier on. And so tools were much more rudimentary, right? Right, exactly. So it wasn't like you could screen scrape the or or yeah. have something transfer those files out of that proprietary system that you probably had yep. and and do some you know NLP national national yep. language processing to be able to turn that into something different and do and do the codification that kind of automation right yeah exactly exactly in fact at that point NLP was was in existence, but it was in its infancy at that right. point. And the so you're exactly right. From a technology standpoint, the technology just wasn't there that we that we currently have this year. Like you said, the screen the scraping and a lot of the more complicated NLP algorithms and those kinds of things. And so it really it did require intensive human intervention. But right. but it at the same time, when you looked at it, you realized that there there was a lot there that didn't require the human judgment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going back to my example of was a patient given a specific medication at a specific right. time? Right. And so, so that really drove a lot of it. And there was, we were in our infancy technologically, but at the same time, there was enough on the horizon that we were able to we were able to kind of envision where where to go from there. Right. And I could I took a look at it and said, I I know that this stuff is developing. It's gonna develop at a rapid pace. Right. Let's utilize it as best possible. So let's kind of transition that to then what happens next. Like you're envisioning what the solution is and it should include some kind of automation. Yep. What, what, I mean, we're talking still 2007. What did you do to solve the problem? You don't need to be specific if you don't want to. Right. No, it, it was really, it ended up being a two pronged approach. We started down one road and then another road opened up. So the, the road that we started down was working with our IT folks, first of all, saying, is it possible to pull these, these elements out of the medical record? And at that point, we had a homegrown electronic medical record. And so, and there were several pieces that were put together 
And so it was, you know, it took some looking on the part of IT, but they said, ultimately, we should be able to do this. Then as we... As we started down that, we also had to get the physicians on board or the providers on board, not just the physicians, anybody who documented, right. and put put in place some other processes to create more discrete data elements. Mm-hmm. And so we went through the ones that we typically manually abstracted and literally made a list of these things and said, okay, what, what, what do we see most frequently? Yeah, yeah. What can we bite off? Right. And kind of taking it from that process perspective. Partway into this, the government, this is when ACA came out, the, the Affordable yep, Care sure. Act. And under ACA, there was a provision called Meaningful Use, which the government incented organizations to develop, electro, develop and use electronic medical records. Outstanding. At that point, you know, a lot of organizations were still working off of paper for a lot of their process, yep. their documentation processes. Sure. And so... The upside to that was that it it really pushed for more standardization of data. Mm-hmm. And um, we went from our homegrown system, we made a decision to move to a vended solution called Epic. At that point, I think there were three major providers, Epic, Cerner, and I, I always forget the third one. But what that ended up creating was this this junction between moving toward a standardized medical record from which we would be able to standardize the data elements, right. automate the pulls of, of those, those data points, and at the same time really getting the providers on board with the fact that they were going to have to document differently. Right. And in some cases that would be fewer clicks, in some cases it would be more clicks. Right. And, but, but ultimately at the end, they're getting out a result yeah. that is more reportable, it's more analytical. It can be better analyzed. Right. And it, it serves a lot of purposes from the entire stack, from providers all the way through to the insurance companies and government reporting. Exactly. exactly. So there was lots of wins. It wasn't just win-win. It was all wins all the way around. Yeah. And one of the big, one of the big issues that, that or one of the big barriers that we had to get past was people letting go of their processes. The Dwight, no one... No one wants to hold on to process, do they? <laughs> it never happens. No, it never, never happens. happens. This was the exception, not the rule. Right. But, you know, ultimately people saying, well, if a human's not doing it, it can't possibly be as good. Right. And there's, you know, it's like any automation process. There's truth to that. But there's there's also a lot of falsehood to, to that. And there's a lot of who moved my cheese. Right. Exactly. And so... The biggest barrier is we talk about automation, whether it's in HR processes or otherwise. One of the biggest barriers that you reach is is that letting go and that trusting of the data. And that's a process that doesn't just happen overnight. Well, I mean, talk about the process. That's change management, right? Totally. You have to invest in being able to document and educate those stakeholders, high and low, all yep. the way through the stack, all the way through the chain, as to not just the benefits, but also how to do what you used to do, right? how to feel comfortable with this thing, and how to live with it, because frankly, we ain't going back. Right, right, exactly. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking subscribe. This podcast is made possible by Salary.com. Now, back to the show. So why don't we take that as an opportunity to now shift our focus because great example, right? Phenomenal example of how you had a business problem, you needed to use some kind of automation, and then you tried, 
You did. You you put your foot out there. So let's talk about HR and HR's reliance on my favorite. This is my favorite example, the personnel action form or the path as we call it. Now, we've changed the word from personnel to HR decades ago, Mm -hmm. but we're still calling it the personnel action form. It's not the personal action form. (laughs) The personnel action form. It can feel personal. It can feel very personal at times. In fact, the stuff that we... The stuff that we put in it is very personal. Right, exactly. And we put it in that extremely secure manila envelope when it gets transferred through the organization with that ultra-secure red string that goes on the top of it. <laughs> but, but we laugh, but there are still companies that are sending through the mail and through inter-office oh, sure. mail personal, per, sorry, personnel action forms. <laughs> personal personnel action forms. Yeah, exactly, sorry. <laughs> just went, okay, not enough coffee yet. But 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 that brings up that they are, I don't want to say stuck, we are as an HR. We're stuck with a process that works maybe at our plants, maybe it works at our remote offices. And while there are lots of employee self-service, it's hard to move off mm-hmm. of this form, right? Yep. And we have lots of checks and balances built into a personal action form when it becomes part of employee self-service and HR technology. But when you actually use a form, you don't have it. And humans become those checks and balances. They look at tables and make sure that the table entry values or the table values are all entered correctly. They have to do the cross comparisons between the current records and the records on this paper form. They have to make sure there's consistency on the form itself and that nothing looks like it's in contrast. So the form itself is not only manual, but it creates a lot of headache for the person who is not only using it on the front end because they don't know the rules by which they're, they're entering the data on the, on the form, but also the person who's entering it into the technology. You know, it's just the start of, well, the QA process of that, I was gonna that, say, it, it, that transaction. Humans are inherently error prone. And it's from a, from a data quality perspective, it's, you know, there are all kinds of issues that they go with it. And, you know, being able to automate some of those quality checks, like you were talking about, some of those, some of those lookup tables and pieces like that really does help on the human labor side, but it also helps with the integrity of the data. Oh, absolutely. And the, and the expedience for which that thing gets processed, because frankly, that process probably happened already. Yep. Communication, even though it hadn't been approved yet, the communication probably happened already. Yep. Like the manager already gave the increase, or the manager already communicated with the employee that you're going to get promoted, even though the promotion hasn't been finalized, signed off on, nor is it actually in the system. It's on a record yet. Yep. And so this is what we face all the time where, you know, that personal action form, sorry, personnel action form gets created maybe a day, a week, a month after the actual transaction took place and that we're doing retro transactions. And that affects things like payroll. It affects things like, you know, if it's promotion eligibilities to certain things. And when a manager goes and looks at their headcount and they go, wait a minute, I promoted Dwight. Why is his level wrong? Why is his title wrong? This happened a month ago. Well, that's because of that personnel action form and it hasn't been fully created, fully vetted, and fully signed off on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you think of the DMV. 
The stereotypical DMV. DMV. Really? Uh, I was That's having such a good what morning. those processes are like. Yeah. You know, you stand in line, somebody stamps your form, and then they pass you to the next person. And, yeah, and but even in the DMV, and let's give all credit to the states, they've made those processes yes, easier. They've and, automated so much of that. Yeah, and, and, you, and sometimes you can walk out of a DMV with a license. Per, mostly not, but you can certainly walk out with license plates. Yes, yeah. they're custom license plates. You can walk out with a registration, yeah. technically. Whereas in the past, I remember when we bought a car, and you know, you go to pay the tax on the car, and you know, complete all the registration forms. You had to wait. You had to wait for the mail to come with the sticker and this and that and the other thing and the plates. And you know, they've they've done a good job of yeah. making that easier. Exactly. And I figure if the DMV can do it, anyone can do it. That's right. I mean, again, all credit to the automation and the, the Department of Motor Vehicles, especially in the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. <laughs> Thank you very much for making sure that my plates come on time and everything, everything's good. But no, seriously, it, 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 that's a really good example of where you take a very complex process with millions of transactions every day, probably. Yep. And... They're simplified to the extent where all the checks and balances are built into the process so that the end result becomes easier. Right, exactly. QA becomes, instead of a step, it becomes part of the form, it becomes part of the process. Yes, exactly. And, and for HR, you know, think about the modern HR systems, which help you along the way, whether it's employee or manager self-service. There are, there's workflow built in. Yep. Is it optimized? Probably not. It's probably following the same personnel action form process that happened years ago. Right. But but it's better, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's what it is. It's incremental improvement. You these these small tests of change and you kind of figure out how you're able to do things, how you're not able to do things. And you know, so when you're when you're talking automation it really is a journey. It's not a. It's not a full destination. It takes a while for you to get there, and that's that's what we that's what we ran into in the example that I gave earlier, where we were making small incremental changes, yeah. and we'd pick one disease set, for example, and one data element out of that disease set, and tackle that together with the providers and with the IT folks, and then continue to to move on. So let's take that because it's a perfect transition to the next segment, which is what are good examples on the HR side of yep. being able to tackle those incremental improvements that companies can make, that our audience could make, that would make their lives easier. Yep. My favorite, if, I, if you don't mind me starting, Please. is a job table where we see it become, I don't want to go all the way to cesspool, I, I could, but yep. it, becomes, it becomes a trough though a holding trough for literally all the jobs that have ever been processed through the HRIT. Yep. And clients don't have the time nor the energy nor the personal touch. They don't have the people mm -hmm. to be able to go in and actually fix it. So right. when someone's making that next promotion and they go to the job table and they're doing a search and they go, ooh, this sounds This okay. one looks good. This one looks good. Yep. But it's one that you should have inactivated it's kind of a dead job title and it doesn't really fit into any structures that you currently have. Right. It's still there yep. because it's not inactive. They have access to it and they're going to do it. Yeah. So 
what are other examples from your perspective of good tables to kind of clean up to make sure those automations or those processes happen? I think of things like performance management, for example. Performance management has been inherently paper-based in organizations, and generally the data that gets input from an HR perspective was, did a performance appraisal get done or not? And that's it where if you start to automate some of the process, not only the process flow, to say to the manager, okay, this this employee is up for their performance appraisal, but also the actual rating of the employee, and then being able to have that data input in there so that then you can start to cross-match that with other elements of HR data. I I think if organizations could move more in that direction with the automation perspective, their ability to do performance management, both proactive and reactive performance management, is enhanced. And by having that automation in place, it's not laborious to do. It administers itself eventually as you kind of iron out the wrinkles with it. One of my favorite things about performance management systems, when especially when they're in Word, is I get to be very verbose and provide feedback, especially a lot of feedback. Sometimes it's feedback that isn't necessarily well thought through. Mm -hmm. What happens with automation is they have filters built into the technology and actually they have keywords and they have suggested phrases Mm -hmm. so that it makes the process not just easier for for the administrators, but it makes the participants better because it prevents them from doing or from making the mistakes that we had typically seen made in the past Yeah, of saying either very negative things or not providing constructive criticism. Yep. And it even has word filters that filter out curse words, for example, <laughs> so that if an employee gets really angry as they're completing their self-evaluation or the response to their evaluation, it flags them. It could be flagging for follow-up from HR, yep. which we've seen happen. N- not, not you, Dwight. Not, I'm not talking about <laughs> our, our performance process. I'm saying that in, in the past, when I've managed these processes as a manager as well as an administrator, I've seen that happen. Right. And so it enhances the process and makes the process better, not just making it automated for the sake of just automation. Right, exactly. Now, by the way, performance management's not going to save lives. No. What it might do is it might help us understand who needs more training and who needs improvement, you know, those opportunities for improvement so that they can get the training they need to save lives. Right. Or to be, to be let go and therefore not cause problems that could lead to potential patient outcomes that are not optimal. Yes, exactly. Are there any other examples that you want to highlight? I I, I think I had one other, but if, if you have another one. No, I, th- I think we've, we've hit a good number, uh, okay. a little bit there. So okay. what's, your, what's your other one? You want to hear it? Yeah. Okay. Let's hear it. It's my favorite table that is used to set up the HR processes, HR transactions. It's the action reason code table. And it's one of those things that you look at when you're doing analytics to see how am I codifying things like a termination Mm-hmm. And for those of you who heard me say this before, I'm sorry, but I love repeating the obvious. There should never be an action reason that says termination, resignation. Never. There should never be. Why? They're all resignations. They're huh. all leaving. They're all resigning. 
you need to go deeper. You need to go levels deeper. Why are they leaving? Are they leaving because they got a better opportunity? Are they leaving because their spouse and them are moving? Are they leaving to change careers? Are they leaving because they hate their manager? It happens. And so we need to actually look at that action reason code table and make sure that it is within the realm of reality. Yeah. Now, a lot of them are standardized, like it's action, maybe promotion, and it might be job change. It might, there, there's some that they're just standard, right? Yep. But look through them and modernize them and make sure that your processes are collecting the appropriate information necessary to make sure that those changes and those forms that are still forms, but they're now automated, yep. they're giving you the right data you need to be able to analyze them appropriately as well as know what the heck's going on in your organization. Yeah, well put. Thank Very you. well put. Thank you. I'm going to drop the mic now <laughs> and walk away. So Dwight, we talked about a lot of fun things about your experiences and how they could lead to examples of how to make changes to process to make them better and potentially save lives. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for talking with me about this. You're the co-host. It's not me having oh, you. That's right. now, now it's us you having you. You guys should you. have just seen the look that I got from David when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> He's the co-host. It's, it's kind of it? like the, the dog cock its head look. Huh? Well, that's, that is a look that my dog sees all the time and goes, hmm, he must be my brother or my dad. All right. Well, thank you very much, Dwight. Hopefully we will talk again soon. Thank you. Take care and stay safe. That was the HR Data Labs podcast. If you liked the episode, please subscribe. And if you know anyone that might like to hear it, please send it their way. Thank you for joining us this week and stay tuned for our next episode. Stay safe.